0: We're going to look this morning at uh, the subject of prayer. I want to begin this morning with a quote from E.M. Bounds. And E.M. Bounds wrote back in the, uh, the late 1800s. He wrote prolifically on the subject of prayer. And almost everything he said about prayer was uh, profound. And so let me uh, begin with a quote from Bounds here. He said this, What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, Not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men and women of prayer. Prayer is more important than organization, more powerful than armies, more influential than wealth, and mightier than all learning. Prayer makes men invincible. I couldn't agree. Uh, more with him on that this is our this is the need of the hour that we would would just have a fresh vision and commitment to prayer. so today we want to look at five things concerning prayer we want to look at just you know what prayer is, uh, why it is that we pray, uh, how to pray, um, when to pray, and then finally we 'll look at the uh, effects of prayer, what happens when we pray. So, point number one, what is prayer? Now, I think most of us have a kind of a general idea of, of what prayer is, right? Uh, prayer is a request or a petition to God. So, when we pray, we're petitioning God, we're, we're requesting. Uh, things from God, and and in the Scriptures you have references to prayer, you have references to petition, you have references to supplication, and and all of these are similar. There there might be some there there are slight distinctions in each one of them, but but generally speaking, prayer is uh, a request or a petition to God. Paul, in writing to the Philippians in the fourth chapter he said, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So prayer is a request to God. Secondly, prayer is communication with our heavenly father. And Jesus reminded us of that uh, right here in the passage that we read together this morning in, in Matthew 6. Now in the parallel uh, account of the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, the context is a little bit different. And there the disciples actually asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, okay, I'll teach you. When you pray, say our Father. So it's important to remember, to keep that in mind, that prayer is not only a request or petition to God, but it is also communication with our heavenly Father, So, question number two, why do we pray? Now, some people say, well, you know, they get real philosophical about it. Um, you know, if God knows everything and, and God's sovereign and his plan cannot be thwarted and he's going to do what he's going to do, uh, why do we even pray in the first place? And you can, you can get yourself in all kinds of knots, um, you know, mentally speaking, If you go down that that sort of philosophical road uh, on the subject, Uh, simply stated, we pray because God told us to pray. He told us to pray. He bid us to pray. He invited us to come and pray. And uh, many, many times in the scripture, there are over 500 references to prayer in the Bible. And so many, many times God invites us, he bids us, he tells us to pray. Jeremiah 33:3, three, uh, we read these words. Call to me, God is speaking, call to me and I will answer you <clears throat> and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So God told us to pray. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Jesus essentially taught the same thing. In Luke 18, 1, we read there that Jesus spoke a parable to the disciples that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And so Jesus called us to pray. He said that we should always pray. And so we pray, number one, because God told us to, but secondly, we pray because we need to pray. We need to pray. The burdens and cares of life are too heavy for us, and we need the Lord to lift that load from us. And so we are encouraged many times over in Scripture to pray. Uh, I think of the statement in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where we're told there, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That, the idea is praying. You're taking your burdens, and you're, you're casting them on the Lord. You're giving them over to God. As you know, some situations are completely beyond us or any human effort. But with God, all things are possible. So we pray because God told us to, we pray because we need to. So that brings us to the third question. How do we pray? How do we pray? Well, like I said, we have one example given to us in the very passage we read, Jesus' teaching us, his disciples, how to pray, but we have uh, other passages that we could look to as well. There's Old Testament examples of prayer. There are other New Testament examples of prayer. You find examples in the book of Acts. You find examples in uh, the epistles of Paul. But let me give you just a few things, a few foundational things that we are to keep in mind as we pray. And as we just keep these things in mind, then our our prayer is basically, we we are to just talk to God. But before we get to uh, looking at that, let's talk about the few things that we need to keep in mind. Number one, when we pray, we need to keep in mind that God is our Father. We need to keep that at the forefront of our minds. We need to keep in mind that we're not We're not praying to just some um, supreme being. We're not not praying to someone who has uh, no heart or uh, compassion or or concern for us, just some, some universal power. We're praying to our Father. You see, prayer is the privilege of God's children. So we want to keep that in mind. And as I keep that in mind when I'm coming to God, as I remember that I'm coming to my heavenly father, I'm coming to somebody who loves me. I'm coming to somebody who's concerned about me. I'm, I'm coming to somebody who is going to have a, a compassionate ear to what I am presenting to him. So that's the first thing we keep in mind, that God is our father and that prayer is the privilege of God's children. Secondly, we need to keep in mind that God is great because oftentimes the things that we're praying about are are overwhelming us. They're they're beyond us. They're too big for us. And yet, if we get the, the right perspective on who God is, everything is going to come into its proper focus because we realize, well, you know, as great as my problem might be, God is so much greater. Our God is great. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. He's, he's great beyond our ability to really even comprehend it. Over, over the past few weeks or so, I, I've just been making my way once again through Isaiah. And when you get to Isaiah chapter 40, from Isaiah 40 right on through chapter 50, in, in those 10 chapters there, God is going out of his way to remind his people, Israel, to remind them of how great he is. They had lost perspective of that. They had lost sight of that. And so over and over again, God is speaking to them about his greatness, that he, he created the heavens, the earth, uh, the stars, he, he he knows the number of them, and He's given names to each and every one of them. He He uh, created the earth, and He created man upon it, and He put breath into uh, man's lungs, and you know all of these different things. Just these expressions of God's greatness through Isaiah. There, let me give you an example from Isaiah forty-eight. The Lord said, "I am He. I am the first, and I am the last." My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Remember Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Some people wonder, like, well, you know, why, why, would, why would God make the heavens so vast? I mean, it seems like, like it's sort of a waste. You know, the, the universe, we, we don't even know how how big it is. It's vast beyond our comprehension. Some people say, well, that doesn't seem efficient. Why would God do that? Well, he told us why he did it. The heavens declare the glory of God. He just wants us to know how great he is. So when we pray, we want to keep that in mind. There's nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that's even hard for the Lord. Our God is a great God. So God is our father. God is great. Thirdly, what we want to keep in mind is that God is holy. God is holy. And so when I approach him in prayer, I'm going to approach him with humility and with reverence and with thankfulness. I'm coming to this God who's my father, this God who loves me, this God who is concerned and compassionate, but he's also holy. And so I come humbly, not arrogantly, before him. I come uh, before him with, with a, a reverence, a respect for him and for his greatness. I come with a, a thankful heart that I actually have this kind of access. It's amazing that, that I, a sinful man, you, as a sinful person, that we can come to this God because of his mercy he's holy we are unholy but because of his grace and mercy he has uh, redeemed us he's bridged that gap he's justified us and so we can come to him but we come to him humbly reverently and thankfully and then the fourth and final thing that we need to keep in mind as we pray is that prayer is ultimately about god's will Prayer is not us trying to get God on board with our agenda. Prayer is really me coming into conformity with God's will, and that, and that all the, these four things are the very things that Jesus tells us in the prayer that we read together today. How does a prayer start? Our Father. That's the the relationship. Uh, who art in heaven. That's the transcendence. That's the greatness. Hallowed be your name or, or holy is your name. There's the holiness there. And then what does it say? Your kingdom come, your will be done. So these are the foundational things. So we're talking about here, how do we pray? So as we keep these things in mind, then we simply talk to God Openly and honestly. We approach with this mindset, but then as we come with this mindset, we talk to him openly and honestly. Uh, Prayer is this, we have this access, we have this amazing opportunity to have a open conversation with the Lord. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, pour out your hearts before him, all of you people. So this is what God invites us to do. Pour out our hearts before him. You know, there's, there's, you can't say anything wrong when you come to God. You can just tell him how you really feel. He knows already anyway. You know, have you ever had times where you're thinking things like that you'd like to tell God, but then at the same time you go, gosh, I could never say that to God. Well, guess what? If you've thought it, <laughs> you've already said it. He's heard it. He knows it. So you might as well just spit it out. You might as well just be honest. And the amazing thing is we can do this. We can come openly and honestly. He bids us to do that. And, and as you go through the rest of the passage, look what, what he's really inviting us to do. So we have those, those few things that we keep in mind. And then we talk to God about our need for daily provision. Well, we, we, we talk to him about... Uh, our, our physical needs, if you will. Give us this day our daily bread. We talk to him about our emotional and, and spiritual needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We talk to him about our, our spiritual struggles and, and uh, the battle. We talk to him about spiritual warfare and, and directing our lives and things of that nature. We, we talk to him about these things. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we because we have a sympathetic high priest, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come boldly, which means we can come and just share honestly what's on our hearts and what's on our minds. That's how we pray. Talk to God. Just tell him what's on your heart and mind. You know, one of the most beautiful things in the world, if you you wanna learn how to pray, honestly, Listen to a little kid pray. Listen to a little kid pray. Little kids are amazing. They just talk to God. You, you have to get older and a little more sophisticated before you start getting you know, into this sort of religious type of a mode where you're, you're making sure that everything is said properly and you're holding back how you really feel. But a little kid, just they just express their heart to God. It's a wonderful thing. Remember Jesus said, "You need to become like little children, And in that area, that's how we pray. We just come to God boldly before that throne of grace. Just tell him everything that's on our hearts. My youngest son, when he was a, a little guy, um, you know he used to absolutely blow our minds with the way he prayed, because it was like it was like, you know, he was just having a, a face-to-face conversation with God. There, there was no formality to it. It was just, you know, there, there he would go. And Cheryl and I used to, you know, we'd close our eyes for, for prayer. And as he'd be praying, inevitably, we would open an eye and look at each other and just think, this is, this is amazing, you know, what the, this kid has prayed for. But he was just, you know, having a, a conversation with God. He's praying for people he knew, and he's praying for their problems and things. But, but it was just so free, and it was so childlike, and, and that's how Jesus wants us to come to him. So that's how we pray. Now, when do we pray? When do we pray? Well, the Bible tells us different things about um, when to pray. The Bible speaks of set times of prayer. And I think it's good to have set times of prayer. Times where we, we set aside uh, an hour, or or whatever the case might be, or as as we have going, you know, we're setting aside, uh, aside a week here to f- to focus on prayer. I think of Daniel in the uh, Old Testament, and and we read about Daniel having this habit of prayer, where he prayed uh, three times daily. It was just his habit; it was what what he did. So he had those set times of prayer. I think of in, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, the third chapter, we read about Peter and John, how they were going up to the temple, and it says they were going at the hour of prayer. So there was a designated set time to pray. And that's good for us. We need to have designated set times of prayer. If you're not involved in some kind of a prayer time where, where there, there's actually you know, a little bit of time set aside... Get involved in that. As I think I mentioned last week, we we have some 30 prayer meetings connected to the church here that you can get involved in, Uh, but you could start another one if you don't fancy any of those 30 that we've already got. So, you know, but the important thing is to just get some time that's set aside for prayer. And in, in set times of prayer, of course, this is often where you would pray together with others as well. So we have set times of prayer, but then we're told in Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, pray always. So we are to pray always. The, the idea here is that we just sort of live in an, in an attitude of prayer. And that's one of the wonderful things about being a child of God and having this privilege. We can just live in, in like a constant attitude of prayer. It, I don't have to be in a particular place. It doesn't have to be any particular time. There isn't uh, one specific posture that I uh, must take for prayer. I can just pray always. Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. So the same idea. So we're just in uh, just a state where we, we would go to prayer as the need would arise as, as a thought comes to our head. You know, oftentimes somebody will just come to my mind randomly. And, and when that happens, I think, wow, I, I think I should pray for this person. Because what do they come to my mind for? I wasn't even thinking about them. Boom, they're suddenly they're there in my head. I think, okay, the Lord must want me to pray for them. So I just pray for them. Or, or a situation will arise, something like that. That's that, that um, praying without ceasing. So... Set times of prayer, praying always, praying without ceasing. Now, what happens when we pray? What happens when we pray? Lots of things happen when we pray. And the first thing that I want to remind you of is that when we pray, things happen to us. You see, prayer really is not as much for God as it is for us. God, God doesn't need us to pray. It's not like uh, God's in heaven going, you know, I sure hope my plan works out. But these Christians just, I just can't get them to pray. I don't know if we're gonna be able to pull this thing off. I don't know if I'm really ever gonna be able to get my kingdom established because I can't get my people to pray. Do you think God is doing that for one second? Of course he's not doing that. His plan is going to be accomplished. His will is going to be done. It's inevitable. So why do we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If it's going to be done anyway, we do it for our own benefit. God has given prayer to us as a gift because what does prayer do? Prayer takes you to a place that you might normally not go. It takes you into the presence of God and that is where we need to be, because it's in the presence of God that we experience the blessing of God. So you see, prayer does something for you. Prayer does something for me. Think of Moses. He went up on that mountain, and there he was seeking the Lord. He was praying, and what happened? He didn't even realize it, but when he came down from the mountain, he was glowing. The glory of God had been uh, imprinted on his countenance. Everybody saw it when he came down. You see, he was in the presence of the Lord. And that, uh, that altered his appearance even. And when we go regularly into God's presence, there's something that takes place there. You know, it's interesting in, in the, the account of the transfiguration, you know, where Jesus, where suddenly the glory of Christ broke through his uh human nature and you remember he his garments were were as bright as the sun and so forth there and, and but it says interestingly it says while he prayed he was transfigured before their eyes and i think wow it was in the context of prayer that the transfiguration took place and i think about myself and i think you know i want to be like jesus I want to be more like Jesus. How can that happen? Well, one of the ways it happens is by spending time in his presence. So that's the first thing that happens when we pray. It impacts us. It touches us. It transforms us. It gets our perspective about things right and so forth. But secondly, let's look at a couple of uh, biblical examples. First, from the Old Testament. Uh, Think about Elijah when he prayed. What happened when Elijah prayed? Well, Elijah prayed uh, that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And at the end of three and a half years, he prayed that it would rain, and it did. And in the New Testament epistle of James, James uses the example of Elijah to encourage us to pray because he reminds us that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He was a man with a nature just like ours, yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain. He prayed again and it did rain. And then he goes on to say, for the effective, uh, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So prayer can have an impact even over nature itself. That's what we see there. Prayer can have an impact even over nature itself. We can pray for things connected to the natural realm and God will work. We move forward to Daniel. Daniel the prophet, in the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel, we read about Daniel praying. He's he's wanting to understand God's plan. And so he begins to pray And at a a certain point, God's messenger comes to Daniel and an angel comes to him and he says these words. He says, from the moment you set your heart to pray, I was dispatched to come to you. So what do we see? We see that when we pray, there's activity that takes place in the spiritual realm. But the angelic messenger goes on to tell Daniel, from the moment you began to pray, I was dispatched to come to you, but the prince of Persia, he resisted me. So he tells Daniel that there was a spiritual battle that took place, but Daniel kept praying. He prayed through for three full weeks, and it was at the end of those three weeks that the the messenger finally arrived, even though he was dispatched to come, the moment Daniel began to pray. So what happens when we pray? Not only does it affect the natural realm, but it affects the supernatural realm as well. You see, there's a spiritual battle that's going on. Principalities and powers are are the ones who are controlling the course of this world. And we can affect things by praying because we have an impact in that spiritual realm. And so that's another thing that happens when we pray. But then physically... We read a couple of uh, incidents in the book of Acts. We, we read about Peter. He prays for a woman that had died. Her name was Dorcas. And we read the account there at the end of the ninth chapter of the book of Acts where uh, they, they've taken this woman. She's been a, a huge blessing to the church, but she's died. They put her in an upper room. They call for Peter. He, they knew that he was uh, a follower of Jesus. And he goes in, and he lays hands on the body of Dorcas, and he prays for her and she's raised out of death. We find a little bit later in Acts, in Acts chapter 27, Paul is shipwrecked on the island of Malta and um, the, the governor of, of Malta, a man named uh, Publius, his father is sick and Paul lays hands on him and prays for him and he's healed of sickness. So we see that prayer uh, impacts us, personally. We see it impacts the natural realm, the spiritual realm. Prayer uh, can affect even those who have died. Prayer brings healing for the sick. Prayer does many things. In the early history of the church, in the post-apostolic period, one of the early church leaders wrote this about prayer. I've used this quote before, but it's such a powerful quote. I want to Uh, read it to you. And it says this, it says, the potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, alleviated diseases, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction. Prayer, he went on to say, is an all-efficient armory, a treasure undiminished, a mind which is never exhausted, a sky unclouded, a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. This is what they said about prayer in those early days of the church. This is what they saw take place as they would gather together and fervently pray. And and think of that list there. Um, Subduing the strength of fire, bridling the the rage of lions, and uh, hushing anarchy, and extinguishing wars, and so forth. I mean, a lot of these things are things that are happening all around us today, right? What do we do about the insanity in our world? What do we do about this continued problem, this growing problem of terrorism all over the world. What can we do about this? Well, we can pray about it. And God can do something about it. And as God's people gather together to pray things that wouldn't normally happen, that couldn't happen through a political process that couldn't happen through some negotiation, that couldn't even happen necessarily through uh, an armed conflict, God can deal with that. And we need to know that. We need to understand that. We need to believe that and be committed to that. And as we look at the, the, the craziness in our world and the, the insanity in our culture and the darkness that is enveloping our land... What do we do? How can we we fight against this? How can we see things change? It seems like all of our efforts fail. Maybe it's because we're putting our energy in the wrong places. We're, We're hoping in the wrong thing. Are we trusting in God? Are we crying out to him in prayer? That's what the early Christians did and these are the things that they saw. As I was thinking about what prayer does I was I was thinking about just our own personal experiences, and of course there are many stories that I could tell you from from many years of, of life as a Christian. But I was thinking of uh, some of the recent things, things that you're all familiar with, but pertain you know to us, Cheryl and I personally. But you remember, of course, the situation with our granddaughter uh, six months ago when she was born. And how just a few hours, about eight hours after her birth, she seemed to be a perfectly normal child. And eight hours later, we realized that she had this condition um, known as TGA, transposition of the great arteries. And this was a life-threatening situation. She had to have um, open-heart surgery at just a few days old. You remember that. But, but I look back, and you know, from the moment that they found that out... Of course, as the, as the word got out, everybody began to pray. We got, the, we got the call at five o'clock that morning and it was a Sunday morning. So maybe you remember, I came to church, I announced it. we all started praying. And then I look now at, at what God did and I think of how he providentially moved and how they ended up being in one of the best hospitals in the world to deal with the situation. And it just happened to be that one of the greatest um, specialists in the world was there and available as well to do the surgery. And so all of this was coming together as as prayer was going up. The kids had initially been frustrated because their insurance had been changed on them at the last moment. But we find now that the change of insurance is what opened the door for them to go to Stanford and have the surgery. And so we saw the answered prayer and the providence of God there in the healing of Evelyn. She just had her her recent um, sort of well baby checkup, and the doctor said, this child is as healthy as any child we've ever seen. So she's perfectly uh, healthy, and and those issues that were life-threatening are no longer there. I think of the strength and the peace that came to the family during that crisis. How God was with char and grace, and how He just gave them strength and and peace to help them through that. And then I think of the provision that came to them as they incurred debt as a result of this, but resources flooded in. People gave from all over uh, the world to, to help them out. And I look and I think, wow, you know, there were people praying, and here we see tangible answers to prayer right before our eyes. And then something that's even uh, closer in, in in time is the situation that I asked you to pray about two weeks ago. You remember I shared about my younger brother who was in a motorcycle accident and who um, broke his back, severe spinal cord injury. And essentially, initially, the doctors were saying, you know, we don't think he'll, he'll ever walk again. Let me read you an update that I received from my dad yesterday. He said, Chris is doing really well. The improvement is amazing. He's getting stronger every day and has some movement in both legs. This is very hopeful. And now he says this, I know all the prayers are making this happen. Please keep praying. Love, dad. So we've been praying. Many people have been praying. And what looked like a a hopeless situation initially, God is turning that around. And so, you see, you don't have to look far to find what happens when we pray. We see evidence all around us. We see um, lives change. We see uh, wayward loved ones, children, family members. We see them return to the Lord and have their lives blessed and restored. We see people who have been in uh, financial ruin. God comes along and he begins to turn things around and he begins to bless them. We see people with, with physical affliction. The Lord touches them and strengthens them. So what happens when we pray? God moves. God hears. He answers our prayer. And so let me close with just a couple of quotes regarding prayer prayer. Pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. And then, prayer does not enable us to do a greater work for God. Prayer is the greater work for God. Prayer is the greater work. Sometimes, I think the problem is, we we think of prayer as just, it's just what you do as a last resort. It was just what you do. If you can't do anything else, well, you know, I don't really have anything I can do for God. I guess I could pray. Well, listen, if that's your thinking, if that's your mentality, it's a totally wrong mentality. Prayer is a great work. It is a great, great work. And I just want to say this as we close today. Listen, if you don't have a ministry at this point, maybe you're wondering as a Christian, maybe you're wondering, well, you know, what, what can I do? How can I contribute to the work of God? How can I be involved in the advancement of His kingdom? And, and maybe, maybe you're retired, and maybe you're wondering, you know, what, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? I've, I've lived most of my life, and now I'm in retirement, and, you know, how can I get involved in the, the work that God's doing? I don't have any special gifting or whatever. Listen, prayer is a great work. Prayer is a great work. You can commit yourself to prayer. If you, if you don't know today what, what the specific calling, you know if, if there's not a, a, a clear sense of, of what God might have you do in regard to ministry, well, I can tell you right now, you can pray. You can pray, and you can have an impact greater than you might ever realize. Because I'll tell you, in order to do what I do, I need people praying for me. In order for the work of the ministry to advance, all of us who are engaged in it on this particular level, we are dependent on the prayers of others. I have many people tell me, I've been praying for you. And listen, I am so thankful for that. And when I say thank you, it's not a cliche. Or when I say praise the Lord, it's not a cliche. I mean it from the bottom of my heart because I know that I can't do what I do apart from the the support of prayer. And so I would encourage you, commit yourself to prayer. Regardless of, uh, you know, maybe you you know what your ministry is, but prayer has to be a, a a vital part of that as well, but especially if you, at this point, if you're just looking, you know, Lord, what can I do? You have free time. You you, you have um, the opportunity to to set side a time uh, time aside throughout the week. Commit yourself. Maybe get with a few other people. Come and be part of a prayer meeting. Pick up the missionary book on your way out today. And start praying through that for those missionaries. They will be forever thankful. It's time to pray. We need to pray. God's given us the amazing privilege of prayer. And the power of prayer. Like we read there initially, uh, E.M. Bounds. This is the great thing. Prayer will make us invincible. God help us to pray. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to be men and women of prayer, Lord, not just this week. And we thank you for the opportunity to pray together this week, Lord, but we want to go beyond the week. Lord, may this become a part of who we are. May this become something that we enter more deeply into in the days ahead than we ever have before. And Lord, as we look at the world that we live in and the, the late hour that we find ourselves in as we see the chaos and the confusion and the, the just downright insanity that is manifesting itself all over the planet and right here in our own country and in our own state and city and in some cases even in our own neighborhoods or homes. Lord, help us to pray. Thank you for this amazing privilege of prayer. Make us men and women of prayer in these days, in this hour, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.